Oh, we are live. Welcome to episode four of the Spiritual Dust Podcast. And this is part two of the Ranch is Haunted. And, you know, first of all, hello, everyone, and welcome to uh, Coyote, who's going to be, you know, helping with the show today and give us more about what happened up in Northern Arizona. Thank you for all of you guys. You guys have gotten like the new mugs and you've gotten the new shirts. Um, hey, and thank you. A couple of you have sent like pictures of yourselves holding up the mugs and the shirts. You know, keep doing that. I'll put that up on the Instagram program. Um, if you also here, if you join on YouTube or follow us on YouTube, uh, we're going to pick a random person there to win some swag. So just follow us on YouTube, Rickwood Psychic on YouTube. Um, how are you doing, Kaya? Coyote, how you doing? Hey, buddy. Um, I'm doing okay. How are you? I, you know what? I we had some technical difficulties, do, huh? Yeah, we'll probably have to do a show on what really happened for this episode. Um, almost a little bit uh, like the Dylan episode, where it took like five hours for some reason to download very simple things, and um, this was not it we we had hours i mean no. you and i tried to get on we couldn't everything we did it would not yeah. let us into the studio uh it, it would no. It, it no, tell no. It, it was like a glitch this that everything else then we started to didn't we both feel like a little sick or nauseous during that time well yeah and i was i was getting spooked out all day just thinking about doing the podcast i couldn't stop thinking about everything that happened up there and it was just it's kind of like even telling the story uh a week ago when we recorded and then we tried to this this weekend it makes you relive it an experience like that a haunting like that uh, a spiritual possession any type that uh things that you can't explain uh, you feel your heart racing just you know just knowing we're doing the podcast again today it felt like today was right but man this weekend when we tried it, it didn't it was, feel right. There was just a. It, it was more that it didn't feel right. It was like, well, you're not going to do it today. And I was starting. No, to feel we, like yeah, today. you and, weren't going to figure it out. You know, I today was like we were almost headed down that road. And then all of a sudden it was like, boom, now we can do it. I mean, you brought up the part about spiritual possession thing, but that's for this episode here. But, you know, for those of us who are just joining, those of you who are joining us, um, you know, last week we were talking about the lights that were up in the sky, uh, the red lights that were at tree line, and these lights actually chased you and your friend. Is this correct? Well, it was my uh, my stepson Isaiah. Stepson. Yeah, I mean and, uh, him. It didn't really, in the sense, chase us. It's that we were watching it rise and drop over the horizon, and then instead of just rising and dropping. The light had the intensity of it. It was moving towards us. We both scurried without talking about it, without, I mean, you know what I mean? Like in a flash, we both thought the same thing. And we scurried, you know, like got up out of our seats. Like I was like on hands and knees at, for a second, you know, out of my chair to get to my feet and get under this awning, right? To get under this uh, shade tarp, which, you know, that's when we joked with each other that there's, you know, this thing, 
it, it made a move towards us. And like, we, we could both tell, you know, in an instant. It was, it's intelligent. For everyone listening, you really should listen to part one, you know, episode three. Yeah. Part one, because there's a lot to recapture there. And, you know, everything from, uh, you know, I forgot about the truck, the truck and the loud music. So please listen to that. Now, I think the last thing we were talking about when we were uh, doing this was that uh, this was about around the windmill part of the story where all the lights and everything and the red lights that were all in the sky and they were on the New Mexico side. Start me off from right. there again. What happened? Okay. Well, to kind of get a really good understanding of how things started to escalate was we talked about the very first time I went to the land, there was experiences, right? I mean, and every visit sequentially, even if they were positive experiences, there were experiences. Uh, the amount of activity that you see at night in the sky, and if you're in tuned or you're even just barely conscious you'll feel other type of spirit activity i mean to give you an idea of how things were escalating it started with controlling the radio controlling electronics right just like we were having problems with electronics for the last two days should try to even talk about this episode yeah uh, you know and, and uh, yeah that the truck and the volume all of that uh, it just it, the amount of volume that it was came intense out of that truck and not to be, and it wasn't even you turned it off you pulled the key out yeah yeah the key was out we turned the phone off and then it jumped from one phone's uh pandora station to the other phone's apple iMusic. well maybe it's got better taste than the and, other phone. No, i'm just kidding um uh, you know <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, it's so to tell the, you know, to tell the story, like how things progress, because this is a, this is really a, this whole part is just a, it's a long story, right? Because it's multiple stories, multiple possessions. Um, one, okay. one trip up there, I went up there and I, is everything all right? Yeah, man, I'm fine. Go ahead. Okay. Um, a trip up there, I had my dogs with me and the kids, and we were out scouting around all day, and we found a fully intact skeleton of a horse. And it had been picked clean, but the whole thing was attached. Like It was, it was really just this kind of awe-inspiring moment. You know, the kids, you know, there were young kids with me, you know, and they're asking questions, right? And, and here you can see the whole horse you know the ribs the spinal cord the head right the the hoofs the legs like everything but it was all emaciated you know it had been decayed down to just bleached white bones like a lot of time to get it to that stage you know there's grass growing around it and everything and um, later that day we we went back to the campsite you know made fire and all this and the dogs my dogs my two dogs one was a a purebred Doberman Pinscher, and he was red. Right, wow. he was the like a very rust color, the brown Dobermans. Mm -hmm. And the other one was a a black black lab, and they bolted. And I think they were chasing after a rabbit. Um, 
or something that was up there. There's a lot of small animals and there's a lot of big animals. Mm-hmm. They were gone. And we made dinner and I was expecting them to come into camp, you know, by the time we were cooking, they didn't show up. The next morning, the first thing I thought is I'll, I'll check under the camper because they like to go under the camper for shade and it's cool and they dig a little pit, you know, their dogs. I look under there, nothing. Their food I left out overnight, not touched. Water, not touched. So I'm like, okay, well, they must have got a little turned around. We're going to go send out a little search and rescue party, right? So everyone piles in the truck and we go out and we're calling their names and we're calling their names. And, and after a while of calling their names, a panic starts setting in. They're lost, right? And we've been driving around forever. We, there's no signs of them. Or they're not on one of the main roads or anything. And by main roads, we're talking about uh, unmaintained dirt roads. Right. So, so just a, a, a path in the desert. Mm-hmm. And uh, we go back to camp, and the next day we look again. So now we're, we're two days into a search. And I had to take the kids home and everything, and I got them home, and I went back. I went back to the land by myself, alone, and I was going to spend however long it took for me to find my dogs, right? These are... These are my Shabay. little furry yeah. friends. You know what I mean? Exactly. Right. Yeah, I know. And, um, yeah, you know, right. Um, so I'm up there and I had these, uh, a couple of, um, a husband and wife who homesteaded up there on the property. They're about a, uh, 10 or 15 minute walk to, to get to our, our properties are very close. And, I like to go over there for breakfast and I would have coffee with Z in the morning and we, we would talk and I would ask her questions and she would tell me more and more about the land, you know, about who used to be there, uh, the tribe and what it was used for and things that they found and how they had full skeletal remains while they're digging the foundation to their property and how um, the tribe, uh, they were notified, you know, contact the tribe, they contacted the tribe, the tribe came out and patriotized the site and then reburied the body back on their reservation land. And they were invited to that ceremony and they, they, yeah, it's pretty heavy. And they extended me the same offering. And I actually went into the village with them. They had a really good relationship um, with that tribe and uh, kind of, you know, introduced me in that way. Hey, he's very respectful. You know, if anything ever were to turn up on his property, he's already said that he would make arrangements to contact you. So I started learning more and more and I'm up there. It's night. It's, it's just the darkest black sky and I'm watching the stars and shooting stars. No, No UFO, nothing paranormal going on. I'm not feeling spooky this way, that, or the other. And I'm, I'm literally got my foots, my, my boots, my feet really close to the fire. And I'm laid back like in one of those uh, reclining chairs, you know, like one of the mm-hmm. camp camping chairs that reclines back so I can see the sky better. And I hear, <laughs> and I set up, I sit up and I'm looking around. I'm like, this is 12 o'clock, you know, midnight, maybe 1130 at night. And there's a bird chirping. And I was like, well, that's really strange. Birds don't chirp at night. You know, I'm up here all the time. I'm really aware of the land, you know, everything. Mm-hmm. I mean, you could hear a grasshopper fart. It's quiet, you know. Mm-hmm. And 
it chirps again. So I'm already kind of alert, and I'm just sitting there. And I hear a growl in my ear. I mean, it was so loud and so close to me that I, Rick, I don't remember getting out of my chair. I don't remember standing up. I don't remember running. I remember opening the screen door to my camper and it's slamming shut behind me, but I'm already turned around and I have my pistol, which was on the kitchen table in my camper, pointed at the door, waiting for it to open up. So I'm going to pull the trigger on whatever opens that door. Wow. And I'm shaking, man. I'm shaking so bad. My hand is, is vibrating back and forth, right? Like, uh, fight or flight, right? I mean, adrenaline is pumping. I don't, I still haven't conceptualized what it was that just happened. I don't know if it's human, animal, you know, it could have been anything in that very moment, could have been anything. It was right like, next to you? Like, how close was that sound? I swear to God, it was on my fucking neck. Okay. Yep. I'd, I'd, I'd have done, you know, Tupelo shuffle backwards right now. Can't I, like I said, I don't remember getting out of my chair. I don't remember even standing up. I mean, every amount available of adrenaline was uh, wow. executed at that moment. It was a adreno dump. And I'm, I'm, I'm there just shaking back and forth. My hand is just, just quivering. Right. And I got my gun in my hand and I'm ready to, to fire away, you know, and I open the door, right? Cause you know, after 30 seconds, which feels like 25 minutes, you know, and nothing, no sound, nothing. I open the door I step outside. Everything's quiet. You know, there's no signs of anything around. I have flashlight. I have my gun out. And then I keep replaying the sound over and over and over again in my mind. And it was this, sound like like wow. like a fucking lion right mm. yeah so meanwhile I'm, I'm up there trying you know this whole time i'm even there was just to look for my dogs so the next morning i wake up sinking gut feeling what happened the night before this is now going on oh close to six days no dogs and so it's a, and I'm, I'm, I'm going out every day driving and driving, right? So the next morning I wake up. This has been I'm going to go have coffee. Days. Yeah, at this point now it has been wow. six days. Oh, wow. We were I, looking for him for three days, three days with the kids, and I took them home and I, you know, repacked up, resupplied, restocked my coolers and went back up. And like on the second night that happened. So now we're in like the next morning. It's been, you know, five, six days since the day that they bolted after the rabbit, which I never saw the rabbit, but I just, we saw them run off. They were chasing something off, like whatever it was, they bolt in, like they'll get it and they'll come back. This has happened many times before they would bolt off after an animal. It could be anything from a rat to a possum to a, a badger, right? They, I mean, then there's bobcats, skunks, squirrels, you like small game, like, just everything you could imagine. Lots of small animals, plus elk, antelope, deer, and mountain lion, all up there on that property. So the next morning, I get up, I take my little 20-minute walk to Z's house, 
David had already left that morning and I'm sitting down having coffee with Z and every day she made something. It could be a coffee cake or pastry or ham and cheese sandwich, but every morning she made something in coffee and, and they don't use phones or anything. They, she just knew I was going to be there. It was our routine. You know, something would be wrong if I wasn't up there and I didn't, and I didn't come over and I tell her what happens. And she said, make the sound again. So I did. She goes, you know what that was, right? And I said, no, what? She goes, that's the mountain lion that lives up on your property at the top of the hill. I said, what mountain lion? And she's like, oh, he's a big, he's a big cat. And uh, the main rancher in the area, he doesn't want to kill him because it keeps his cattle moving. They keep moving. They, they stay out of that area. They keep trekking down this big valley to get to the water tank. And he might take one or two a year, but to him, it's, it's worth it because it keeps them moving. It keeps the whole herd moving. And this is thousands and thousands of head of cattle. Wow. Um, yeah. So I was like, you think it was the bobcat or uh, the mountain lion? And she goes, well, the sound that you make is called the chaff. And she goes, I've heard him make that sound before. And I had to scare him away with a 12 gauge because he kept coming into my chicken pen and trying to attack my chickens and it would stir up the dogs. Their hair would be standing up on end, you know, every time he came around. So I took this information, you know, went back to my property. I'm still continuing on the search, still never forgetting that night, the sound, the fear, the, the realization too, that, if it wanted to attack me, it could have. It didn't have to make a sound. It had already gotten so close to me anyways that it didn't have to scare me. It didn't have to. It could have just bit me in the back of the neck, and this story would have never made the light of day, right? I mean, that's just it. Man found eaten by mountain lion. That's it. And I kept, that kept pondering. You know, that thought just kept replaying. Well, Why? Why did he, you know, is it just to show me this is his area and that he doesn't really feel like eating me? I'm nothing compared to a, an antelope or to a nice juicy, you know, steak that he can have with those cattle. So you know, I'm not really worth the effort to eat, you know. And um, this, this event, it comes really important later, way later, almost a year and a half later now. Um. I did find the dogs. I ended up going home. Okay. Now, hold on a second. We got to slow down because you know everybody's probably, while you've been talking about this, going, what happened to the dogs? Right. Yeah. So, got home. Um, Christy had made a post on Facebook up in that area on a, on a community page if you find these two dogs, they're, they're lost and they're, they're, they're pets. Because people would drive way out there to the middle of nowhere and sometimes dump off dogs that they didn't want, unwanted dogs. And uh, they would get eaten mostly by coyotes or they would join packs of other wild dogs that were up there and they just become feral, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a post and it says, I've seen two dogs that match this description, a big Doberman, a red Doberman and a black lab. I'm like, there's no other Dobermans up there in the, 
in the middle of nowhere. You know what I mean? These are, these are home pets, you know, family dogs, you know? So on the information they gave, which was a really, really rough estimate, it said buy a blue trailer on this forest road. No coordinates, nothing. Couldn't get hold of the person, but I didn't care. I, I kind of knew where this blue trailer was that I had passed one day when I was out yelling for them, right? Calling for the dogs. And I would go out on my dirt bike and the razor and explore all over. And I took off. No cell phone service, so now I can't call anyone. I can't even pull up the post to look at you know the, the description of the road, right? I get up there, I'm driving around forever, and on the, on the horizon I see this blue dot. And I can't find the right road to get me there because they all come to dead ends or they it's washed out and you can't cross it because there's a cliff, you know, because the road has been blown out by a big rainstorm. I finally make my way there. There's a gate there in the house and I'm yelling, hey, don't shoot, don't shoot. You know, I'm here looking for my dogs. And uh, I go up there and I see this black little mound and it's down to the valley, like a little bit to the left of me. And I know right away that's that's Jet. That's my lab. I could just tell. Good. And I'm calling for Red, you know, the Doberman, and I see this head poke out from under the trailer, and it goes back under. And I get down on my knees, and I'm calling. I'm trying to coax him out, right? And he's this is now 16 days since the time they ran away till the time oh, I found them. It's been 16 days. Yeah, six. 16 days, two weeks. They were lost two weeks and two days. I get him to come out. And when he comes up to me, I, I start bawling, Rick. I start sobbing, you know, oh, and he's licking man. me. And he, you know, he finally, you know, he tackles me to the ground. He's on my chest, just licking the shit out of me. And I look at my arms and they're covered in blood. And I'm like, Oh my God, you know, you're hurt. And I, uh, yeah, no, I'm covered in blood like smears. And I, I lift open his mouth, and he's got blood all over his mouth. But I realize he has a bunny under the trailer. He'd been eating a bunny. He had just gotten a fresh kill. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> he, he was not emaciated or starved. Let me put it this way. This, this guy went out on a hike, and he was just loving life. He's like, I've got bunnies. I've got <laughs> plants. You know, I've got water. So... <laughs> So I, I, I reunite with Red. You know, it's this, just this awesome moment. I found him, you know, after two weeks, you know, of looking, I found him. And wow. I go over yeah. there to the, the Black Mass. And, you know, what, what this you wasn't saying? like you were in northern Arizona's wilderness. It wasn't like you were in the back alley of a Baltimore bowling alley looking for them. You know, this was yeah. It's literally a needle days. in the haystack. Yeah, so, I've gotten lost okay. on my own property. I won't. So yeah, now, so I I look over and go ahead. No, I just you keep going, buddy. You keep going. So I look over and I see Jet. I go over to Jet, and he's he's deceased, right? But he's he's. It looks like recently passed away, right? He's not all bloated or anything. So I, I go back to the property. I got Red in me, uh, in the truck with me, and you know I'm happy. He's happy. I'm sad that I lost Jet. You know, it's a really, really sad moment. I'm also overcome with joy that I have 
red still, you know, it was a birthday present from a dear friend. So, uh, we're back at the property. The neighbor, uh, David Z's husband goes with me in the morning. We pick up, uh, jet and wrap them up in a tarp and we take them back to my property. And at the base of my property where the road turns to my private drive that goes up to my property, um, we dug a hoe, a hole with his backhoe with his tractor. And we did a, a burial, we did last rites and everything uh, for Jet. And later, the kids and I uh, and Christy, we made a bench out of limestone that I had on the property and made a nice little sitting area, a little reflection area. And uh, it was a beautiful outcome, you know, out of all, all of that, we got Red back, we gave Jet a proper burial, and he was on the property back home. You know, he loved it up there. They both did. You know, it was, you know, dogs off leash. You know what I mean? They just run and be dogs and come home and hang out with the family and then go off and explore and come back. So um, all of this leads up to the fact that one of my dear friends, he'd known all the stories about the land. He knows about the lights. He knows about the paranormal shit that had been happening. Um one day I was up there with a friend and we were talking and I get thumped on the bottom of my chair three times. What? Thumped on the bottom of my chair, like right where all your weight is in a camping chair. You know, you're kind of like, it's pretty tender down there, right? You're going to know right away if something thumps you. <laughs> and the look on my face, he's like, what? what i go dude is there i thought it might have been a mouse or a rat or something crawled up underneath me and like lifted its head or something and bumped into me you know what i mean like right in your bottom you know right in your family jewels almost you know what i mean i mean just and we're, wow. we're talking about he says no man and i go did you hear that he goes no i i did hear it and then rick it happens again thump 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 on the bottom of my chair like thumping hard like so hard you could hear it like it just like like if you tapped your thigh with your hand like hard enough to audibly hear how hard you're being touched and we were blown away um yeah so th this is all building up to all these stories, all these things have happened. And my, my buddy, he, RJ, he was kind of a non-believer. He'd never been up there. He only like heard firsthand accounts from Rick. Um, you know, our, our mutual friend, Rick, right. Um, Brian, Christy, the kids, incredible sources, not just like, you know, you know, crazy wild people. And they give you a little background on, on RJ is a ex Navy nuclear submarine wow. engaged in different types of events and things that he couldn't even talk to me about his closest and dearest friend. Um, and he, he said he did a lot of things in the military, a lot of things that he couldn't talk about. Um, but, but mostly he was just, really intrigued about the way 
I spoke about the land. He wanted to experience it for himself. And uh, to give you an idea, he's, or he was, uh, he's no longer with us, but he was uh, about 6'3", 350 pounds. Wow. Big, big guy, you know, mm-hmm. and strong. I mean, like strong, like an ox, like, I mean, he just, he was a presence, right? Right. Uh, so we go up to the land and we get up there. We both take off uh, from our families and jobs, right? Made a plan for this. It wasn't just like a, let's go. No, it was like weeks and weeks and weeks of preparation. And what are we going to do? And, you know, he, he was, he was from Long Island, you know, camping and being out on a ranch is like the opposite of anything he ever did. He never camped until he had camped once or twice with me. Um, and he kind of got like the hang of it. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. I get it. You know, I get why people do this now. You just have to really like being outdoors. He's like, I don't like the fucking bugs. He goes, I don't like <laughs> all the schlepping of all the things and everything. Right. He's like, <laughs> no, it's, it's like, <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, like, <laughs> yeah. I like so. Yeah. So you know, he'd be telling us right now. He's like, "Yeah, I'm a New York Jew." You know, I mean, this is how I talk. So, uh, he he was not familiar with camping. He didn't like any of that stuff. But what he was up there with me, he's like, "Dude, you you have everything so under control. I feel like I can let my my guard down in a sense that nothing bad's going to happen because." I'm with you and you, this is like what you do. You know what I mean? He's like, you're out there and you're here and all that shit and all the toys and whatnot. So we go out there, we have a fun day. We're riding around the razor. We're drinking, smoking, you know what I mean? Just really having a party of it. And of course, the first thing I tell him when we get to the land is, Hey, we have to do our prayer. And we do, and we do the prayer. I, you know, Hey, the smoke is for you. This drink is for you. You know, all the, I go through the whole spiel, right? The whole thing right. again. And he's like, you know, he's like, you do this every time? I said, every time I come onto the property for the first time, I do. And if I'm up here for a week straight, I don't wake up every single morning and go outside and say a prayer. But but then again, without saying the words, it's the intentions. I kind of still do. Hey, man, I know where I'm at. There's a certain sense of reverence here. Um this used to be people's indigenous land that got taken away from them. And there's a lot of hurt and pain that is even wrapped up in that, you know, not alone the, the past people who used to go to where my property was as a burial ground, they would go there to die in the views, this majestic views that you had up there, sunrise, sunset, the stars at night. I couldn't think of any better place to spend eternity. Wow. So, yeah. So I tell him all this, and the whole day has been a blast, right? Now, just a now, really, really on, fun Hold on just a second. I, I need to ask you, uh, do you have a bracelet on or something? I can I can hear some jingling. Now, okay. So. Yeah, I was uh, fidgeting because uh, there's a lot of nerves. I guess built up because of that's funny because I could tell like as the more you start to talk about it, the more the jingling would go on. I go, what is that? <laughs> so I'm sorry, please continue. 
I know we're getting very close to the point where the, the this just kind of weirdly takes off. Yeah, this is exactly where everything turns weird. Um, we're back at the the main site. I call it the campsite, right, at the ranch. Uh, I have a big fire pit that we made from stones that we collected on the property. And me and him are just getting the fire started, which we will be using later for transferring the hot coals from there to a little rocket stove I built. And, uh, and that had a cooking crate on top. So we're just getting ready for the night, getting the fire started, getting plenty of wood going and we're chit chatting and the sun's dropping and it's getting darker to the point where the, the sky is lit, but it's still night. The sun has set, but there's still light in the sky. You know, that, that time of night and the sky is turning from that blue to that purple mm. and the purple is getting deeper and i said you know we, we should just keep looking at the sky because we're now sitting down in the chairs reclined back and let's watch the first stars appear and we did and we see one star appear then another star and then another star and another star and another star. and it was almost like from the time the first one happened we're like hey do you see it yeah i saw the star oh that's awesome the first star of the night you know and then three, four, six, 12, 20, right? Stars now. And it's it's still semi-light. I mean, it's not dark, right? I mean, the sky's right. not black by any means. There's still natural light. We're just walking around, doing things, going to the cooler, going back. We're standing up now talking. And we're shoulder to shoulder. And it's just a funny scene because we're just staring straight up. Like the farthest you can roll your head back, Right. Right. and still be upright and we're just we're staring and all of a sudden as we're staring in, in silence and just really admiring all this the stars start to shift rick the stars aren't stationary they're starting to like pull together in a circular way where it's like a spiral like when the bathtub drain happens and it right before it kicks onto the full on spiral of water, you know, sucking down the drain, you can see everything kind of being pooled in together. You're like starting to coagulate and spin and kind of mix. Mm -hmm. That's what the stars were doing. And as this is happening, I grab his shoulder and I go, dude, 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 do you see this? He's like, yeah, chill the fuck out. I see it. I, I see it too. You know, and I'm really excited because right? like, this is, I mean, really weird and strange I, I, I and i've seen a lot of strange and i and the only reason i'm jumping in here is that i want everybody to know that you're talking about it looks like all the stars and almost like the beginning of a star circle and everything's coming together when i did a channeling session god it was 25 years ago i saw the same vision in my head so when you're talking about wow. this I saw the same thing, but just in a session, not, you know, not like you guys did, but I'm sorry, go ahead. I just thought it was great, great coincidence. There are no coincidences. There are no coincidences. Yeah. I, I panicked. I mean, in a literal sense, I guess, you know, I was so excited and so awestruck by what I saw. I'm, I'm kind of, you know, I'm jubilated, right? I'm jumping out of my, my pants and he's, he's like, 
this, this, you know, kind of stoic things like, yeah, man, I see it too. I see it too. No, I see it. I'm like, let's just keep watching. Don't look away. He's like, you think we should take a picture of it? And I said, no, man, if I go get the phone right now, it's going to be gone. We, we need to just stare at this and observe what we're about to see. Cameras aren't going to do it justice. This isn't for anyone else. This is for us right now. And Rick, we just stood there and we watched and each one of these stars start pulling into a circle, into a tight circle. These stars are moving into a circle. And I mean, at this point now, it is dark. That, that purple has faded to black right in the sky. And it could have been 20 minutes or 30 minutes of just looking straight up to the point where both of us are, have our hand on the back of our neck now. It's almost painful to keep staring straight. Straight up, you know, it's like, okay, we need to recline. You know, we, we talked about getting the binoculars, but I to get to the camper and pull the binoculars out and get back out, I literally thought I was gonna miss something even more remarkable than what we were already witnessing. And we just eventually we reclined in the chairs and we're still talking about it. And now so many stars have come out that it's hard to see the original stars we saw pool together into this. Uh, Stargate is what I call it into wow. this portal. And there's just, there's just too many stars now to see it. And every once in a while we would see an anomaly, you know, a star that like just doesn't like it shifts and moves and then go back. Yeah. It was very strange. Like you're fixated on a certain point. All of a sudden you see it. Da -da 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 -da, and then -da 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 -da, right. It's like it moved and it moved back. And I'm like, these aren't stars. He's like, no, dude, what we saw were not stars. I agree. Stars don't move like that. Like, even if, you know, like our position, if you think about the rotation of Earth and then the, you know, how, all of that, not, it wouldn't make quickly. sense because this would be a well documented. Well, yeah, exactly. Not that quickly. And it would be a well documented thing that everyone would just know. Right? I mean, people have been looking at the stars for a long, long time. So, we we eat, we drink more. We keep talking about how cool it was. He's like, uh, Sean, he's, this is this is validation of everything that you've told me about up here, and this blows my mind away. And you know, he's like, I'm here, um, lucid in good mind. You know what I mean? He's like, I have my wits about me. What I saw was definitely nothing that I could have expected to see. And, uh, you know, we went to our tents, uh, went to bed. Next morning we get up, first thing we're talking about is the stars, right? First thing, I was like, oh, man, those stars last night, that was crazy, right? You thought more about it? He was like, oh, yeah, I, all night I stopped thinking about it. He's like, I, I must have looked out the window of the tent for at least an hour after we were just staring at the stars because you can see them all through the uh, – the tent screen, right? Because we didn't have like the rain fly, the canopy over it. And uh, I said, "Yeah, me too, man." He's like, and just, "It was wonderful, amazing, right?" That day, was, uh, we have a great day. I don't really remember much about it. It was more like unremarkable, right? And that night, um, about the same time as we started to prepare ourselves the night before, um, I go to the truck. And um, I'm, I'm getting uh, like really dry cotton mouth, right? 
Um, yeah. And I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm not feeling so good in a way. And RJ's getting something out of the, the cooler. And I said, Hey, can you throw me an orange juice? You know, one of those little individual servings of orange yeah. juice. And he says, sure, man. And he throws it to me and I catch it and I open it and I take a nice big, you know, ring. Hey, Coyote, hold on a second. And everything's not. Coyote. Yeah. Um, I think you're starting to break up on your end. Really? Now you're all, you're starting to. Can you hear me okay? I can hear you okay. Um, okay. Uh, and I didn't want to end it. I just got to figure if we could catch up. Um, go ahead. I'm so sorry. I just want to make sure we could hear you. No problem. Thank you for that. Um, so he throws me the orange juice. I take a drink of the orange juice and I'm putting the lid on and I'm not feeling right, Rick. I don't know how to describe it, but I'm not feeling normal. And as I look around, I start seeing geometric patterns and everything has like a very yellow tint, a very yellow look to everything. And I don't have sunglasses on or anything. Right. And, um, I see these patterns, circles, triangles, X's, squares, you know, like going across my vision in like a ribbon. Like if someone's pulling like a film reel negative in front of you, so you can see through it, but there's something obstructive but clear in your way. Mm -hmm. And I start seeing that and uh, I start telling, I start telling RJ that I said, Hey, this is, I'm seeing this, blah, blah, blah. He goes, well, let's, let's come over here. Let's sit down. And we go over to where the, the fire pit is and we start the fire. And this is where things take off. Um, this is where things get real strange is when we started the fire and I sit down in the chair, I start feeling something kind of coming over me. Um, a presence and I, I start rocking back and forth in my chair. I remember this part, I was still conscious at this point. And then what felt like the skin of an animal, like, you know how cats have that loose skin that's kind of between their front arm and their ribs. Yeah. You know, like on cats, mm -hmm. something like that being pulled over me. And to the point where like, I felt like I was talking through that, like it was covering my face. And I remember putting my, my hands over my face and I'm kind of crouched down towards my knees and I'm rocking back and forth. And at that moment, I lose consciousness. And everything that happens from that moment forward is uh, what RJ had told me had happened. And he said, your voice changed and you are no longer speaking in your own voice. And that's when the panic set in for him. And he knew at that very moment, if he didn't keep his wits about him, something very, very, very traumatic was going to happen. 
happen and did, but it would have been only escalated and made worse had he lost his cool. Um, the voice that came through and was talking to him was a, a spirit of the land is what she said. Said so she voice... was the mother. Oh, wow. Yeah. The voice the, coming the out cougar. of you. Wow. Blind cougar. That voice was coming out of you. Yes. Wow. I'm sorry. Please. Yeah. I just want everybody to know what's really happening here. Yeah. So I'm sitting there um, speaking to him in a voice that's not of my own. I last thing I remember was basically being pulled into what would be f like if you were in a, an animal skin, if someone draped you in an animal skin and I felt almost suffocated and I felt like all of a sudden I was not behind my eyes. I felt like I was almost uh, outer body experience, right? I was almost an yeah. observer watching everything that was happening and I couldn't speak because I was already speaking. Right. If that makes sense. I didn't have right. authority or control over my own body at that moment. Mm. And she starts talking to RJ and uh, starts telling him that I'm protected by the land, referring to me, and that I had made a covenant with them, knowingly or unknowingly, had made this pact um, just because of the things that was doing up there, the reverence that I had, you know, the, um, you know, you already have abilities and, you know, I have abilities as well. And I didn't know at that time that I was an open door, right? And I hadn't set up any protection. I hadn't done anything that would have helped me negate this type of possession from overtaking me. So I was a bit like a blank canvas, right? Um, and she starts telling him all this. And at some point, things start to really escalate. And he told me, he's like, you started telling me things about my childhood, about my mother, about specific dates, things that I have never shared with you in our 30 years of friendship. Oh, my um, God. Yeah. And he said he knew he wasn't even talking to me. Wow. So, and uh, I can hear it in your voice. I've known you for years, so you were pretty shooken up about it. I'm still shook up about it. Just thinking about it, reliving it, telling the story is uh, it's unsettling to say the least because some of the things that start to happen next are showing the, the power um, this spirit had over me. Um, she goes on to describe that. Say that again, Rick. I'm sorry. No, just show me examples. Go ahead, buddy. So she starts uh, telling RJ about all these things, about his life, right, and all this, and uh, going on to describe to him that the fire doesn't come from the flames. Of, now, this is a fire that's between us. She says the fire comes from me. And at this moment, when I said this, but I'm saying this as her and her speech and her tone, right? He said, it, 
it got so loud when you said that that he was frightened he felt like a small child being yelled at by a parent very 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 intense situation even though i'm crouched up in a ball in a chair you know and said you stuck your hand in the fire and when you did that the flames shot up 15 20 feet in the air what so yeah you, you got this thing takes over you stick you, you just end up doing this spirit takes over sticks your hand into the fire and the fire grows you know not a couple of feet 15 to 20 feet in the air yeah flames shooting up 15 feet in the air it roars up out of control and he grabs my hand because he was afraid of how badly i'm going to be burnt because of what i just did and he he took my hand away from the fire and it was in there for a little bit like one one thousand two one thousand three one thousand okay and yeah and uh i mean just the the tone the voice the things that were being said there it's really powerful it things have escalated now out of control he's full-on fucking panicked he doesn't know how long this is going to last he doesn't know if it will stop when it will stop i mean the things that are being said are just just so scary and then at one point i remember coming back into my body like things like you're taking a break right they're tapering down and I, I come back in and i'm like begging him to help me you know he goes i don't know man i don't know what to do i don't know what to do i'm like and then all of a sudden i'm choked up and i can't talk anymore and she comes back in through me and starts talking again and now we're being joined by another entity and this male figure shows up as a red light through the trees directly behind where rj's sitting uh, he's freaked out, man. I mean, just beyond belief at this point. It's it's just so terrifying, and hours have passed by now. Hours, and wow. it subsides. It, it really does subsides. I remember coming back into my body. I remember hearing and seeing most of all these things that happened, but hearing the stories from him afterwards, you know, resolidifies that. And. I asked him, you know, over what happened, what happened, you know, what, what happened? And he would tell me, and then you said this, and the reason why you can go out on these walks at night and the animals don't attack you are because you're protected by the land and the whole thing with the mountain lion growling in your ear. Um, and that was, that was the spirits, you know, making all these things happen. And that night, Rick, we, we went to our, our tents to go to sleep for the night. I laid there with my eyes wide open and I didn't have a thought. I didn't have any thought at all. There was no dreaming. There was no thinking. I laid there and I had no thoughts. I, I, I laid there almost like in a paralyzed state. And I remember the sun coming up and my eyes still just being there wide awake, just open. And I'm not thinking about anything. I'm not dreaming. I'm not trying to make myself go to sleep you know i'm literally you're, just laying there thinking holy shit you're just existing 
yeah. just sitting existing. I mean, yeah. I, I there's so much to this story. I mean, I feel like we have to do a third part. Um, I mean, you know, we, we there are other people that we should even bring in on this because there really is a third part to this. Um, geez, there is. I mean, how how long did it take you to come out of that state? Like when you um, woke up from our calculations. Yeah. I, I felt normal when I went to lay down to bed. I felt like I was back to homeostasis. When I laid down, I felt like Sean again. Uh, when I woke up in the morning, um, I felt really good. I felt really good. And that car ride home, talking with RJ the whole time, um, he said, man, He's like, let me see your hand. And I show him, it's my right hand. I put my right hand out in front of him. He goes, yeah, that's what I thought. There wasn't a mark on my hand. There wasn't even a, a, a burn mark of any kind. You know, like, even if you, like, stick your hand in an open flame for a second, it leaves that, like, little white burnt skin. Right. You know what I mean? Or, like, the little bubbles from being burnt. Yep. There was nothing. And he's like, yeah the flames were shooting out of my fingertips when he pulled my hand out of the fire. The flames it's were like, shooting it, it, it defies of all out of my fingertips. That's what made the flames shoot up out of the, the fire pit is what, what the conclusion that we came to is because he said, you said the flames don't come from the fire. The flames come from me. And when you did that and stuck your hand in a fire it just erupted and is it was a he told me being in a, a nuclear submarine for six months underwater without resurfacing being engaged in some type of altercation with potential russian nuclear subs in areas that they may or may not have should have been occupying and they're on uh, like you couldn't fart you couldn't sneeze or make a sound because of sonar because of what right. these missions they were doing and how scary that feeling was that just to be so scared that you're going to be crushed because you're diving too deep, you mm -hmm. know, nothing that he went through in his military experiences compared to the fear that he felt that night. It was wow. insane. The, the lights, the, the night before with the star portal, the stargate we saw open up over our eyes. And then the very next night, a full-on spirit possession where just unexplainable events, one after another, after another, after another happened. It, it solidified and it concreted in his mind that the life we live, this world we live in, isn't exactly the way it's made up and portrayed 90% of the time, that there's something else happening. There's something else going on that can allow these events to happen. Um, not being burned, speaking in a different tone and a whole nother voice saying things that I had no recollection knowledge of things that were very specific to only him and his mother. And they had a very frayed and tempered relationship. That was um, just, you know, and, and then like he said, you didn't know. So it came out of you from her, um, from that being that this is, this was an amazing. Yeah, that's what he kept story. saying. 
Um, He's like, who, who was she? And how would she know about me? And did you just carry it on you? Is it just like residual, like, like a catalog of events and that a spirit can just tap into it and be like, yeah, I remember your memories and then, you know, they accessing the Kashic record. Like what is actually happening in those moments where the unexplained is being explained to you in a very, very undeniable way. Mm. I, I mean, this has really been an amazing, amazing story. I mean, I know other things that we could talk about here too. We're just running out of time, but I mean, heck, we'll probably just have to revisit this again. Uh, maybe we can, you know, bring our boy. Well, with this isn't home. the first possession. It happens again. I know. Yeah. And it, yeah. Un unfortunately, RJ passed away. Of Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. So. Yeah, now three months after that episode, he ended up passing away. But mm. but it happens again. There's a whole other possession story, and um, a mutual friend of ours was there to witness it. Um, I think we should bring that in for part three. What do you think? I think so. So, all right, brother. I mean, this was amazing. I, I was, you know, there were people texting me while we were doing this because I, I let a couple of people into the studio to listen. And they were like, oh, can you ask them this? Can I ask them that? I was like, oh, well, we're just kind of taping them. Like, but they, they were into it. They were into it. And everyone, thank you for listening today. Uh, don't forget to follow us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Don't forget to follow us on YouTube. Uh, Rickwood Psychic, you can go there. Follow us there. The new people that are following, we will choose a winner to win something from the spiritual dust.printify.me catalog. Um, on behalf of myself and Coyote, uh, thank you for listening to us today. And we will be back next week. Thank you very much, and thanks for listening. Bye-bye.